Dan! 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 Hello and welcome to the Digital Advertising News Podcast brought to you by SearchStar. Dan, I'm very excited because we haven't done this for a while. We haven't. We've had, we've had a little bit of a holiday for the summer. Yeah, as we did last year. I think we did one in the middle and then we went back on yep. holiday. We are back. Though. Here's another in one strength, we are back. In force. Yep. I'm, I, I couldn't be more exciting. There's mm-hmm. some exciting stuff to talk about, some exciting news. Uh, How many times are you going to say the word exciting? Um, I I haven't got my thesaurus to hand, so <laughs> we'll stick at with least excited. seven or eight more exciting, times. Exciting, exciting. Very clear word. Yeah, cool. Um, so let's talk quickly about October. What's coming up in October? The exciting news for October is that we're having a conference. Okay, I'm glad you said um, that. <laughs> we are having a which which is which which will be great. Search Star for those who haven't been. I'm going to give a bit of a shameless plug. We run really good events where we put a lot of effort into getting very classy speakers in who come in to give deep thought leadership, proper content that you would struggle to get hold of the quality of speakers. We make a strong effort that they're not selling, they are educating. And historically, the feedback we've had on our conferences has been great. We do net promoter scores afterwards, and I can't remember what they are, but they're always enormously positive. which is good. Whatever they are, yeah, we're sort of pretty much nobody rating it much below good um and the i think the last one we did we had a tiny bit over a couple of hundred people at this one pretty much everyone from that one has signed up again which is always very positive and actually i think we're pushing towards about 300 people now excluding the search star gang <laughs> So I would be surprised if we don't get 400 people. And that's basically... And the, the other reason it's a really good event is because essentially that's 400 of the sort of largest and most interesting advertisers and sort of agency partners coming together in the Southwest to have a really good conversation. Second piece of exciting news, which I, we didn't... The last podcast is in the annals of time. Mm-hmm. So basically we've been acquired by... SearchStar has been acquired by a big translation company called We Localize. We Localize. U- USA-based, um, and that just means it was very exciting news for our company. Very it? exciting news for us. Um, they bought, a bit of background, they bought an SEO, they're, they're one of the world's largest translation and trans, sort of global expansion companies that basically specialise in taking normally technology companies around the world. Um, they bought an SEO company a few years ago in London and did very well out of that. And sort of really saw the power of power of sort of how the how interesting languages were to the digital world, mm-hmm. and now they've acquired ourselves. We will continue as SearchStar, sort of working, doing excellent job for UK for UK and international clients. And then the interesting bit over the next year or so will be we will be significantly ramping up or building an additional stream of expertise in the ability to run global multilingual advertising. So for those of our clients who wish to expand out across the world, then we have a significantly interesting offering. Um, Dan mentioned the other digital advertising, uh, well, digital marketing outfit that we localise. Oh, they are Adapt. Adapt. Adapt Worldwide. And actually in the middle of this podcast somewhere, I have recorded a little segment with their their MD Goody. And he'll basically talk about talk through what localization is and what adapter about to give everybody a better idea 
So at least listen to about the 20 minute mark because then, you know, that's the exciting bit. After that, it's just Nick <laughs> saying exciting a lot. Yeah. I said exciting again. <laughs> you did. Absolutely. Um, right. Into the digital advertising news. Mm-hmm. Everybody in digital advertising at the moment is talking about data, data protection, privacy, regulation, cookies, GDPR, all of this stuff. Yesterday, news broke that Google were proposing tighter standards around data collection for digital advertising. Basically, it's planting another user data privacy flag in the ground. Facebook have done similar things. Apple have done similar things with tracking. And basically, Google's saying that users should have or be given greater control over the advertising they see online. But I know you've got some thoughts on this, Dan. Why, why is Google doing this? What, what, does it, what, what benefit does it see from improving data privacy? Um, I think if it was probably Google's, Google's own world, I suspect they wouldn't be doing any of this. <laughs> um, but they don't yet control the world. Um, Not yet. They, they've, I think they see there is, an, awful, um, the cons- there is an, an enormous amount of concern around the world. There are some hefty regulators you know, led by the EU with the US actually starting to move in the same direction. Um, who are tightening up? There are some fairly heft, some fairly substantial fines in the billions have been handed out that even people like Google are wary of. Many several um, billions that that people are trying to avoid, and I think they've seen the writing. And I think they they've probably also done their calculations, which says that actually, providing everyone else follows suit, they will not be competitively disadvantaged, and actually the way a lot of their advertising systems work, they suspect the flow of advertising cash won't be significantly mm-hmm. harmed by putting in this. I think it's quite interesting the way a lot of the machine learning, sort of AI-driven bidding algorithms are based, which essentially are increasingly, or Google is increasingly black box in how it is managing that bidding and what data sources it is putting in. Mm-hmm. And I suspect they have decided that they've got enough data sources that they can make their systems run properly yeah. without whatever data they've just sort of decided that they can do a bit of virtue signaling by announcing they're no longer going to collect. I think it's fair to say that Google's been quite reactive in the data privacy wars. Yes. Like reactive, you know, Apple and Facebook are more, more leading the charge with well, Apple, 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 who are a business that I personally believe may have a bit of problems in the pipe, um, have decided that it is going to be a USP for their for their hardware. Mm-hmm. And Facebook obviously got monstrously stung in the Facebook Analytica scandal. I say that. <laughs> I read a very good analogy about this this the data recently. That everyone's always said data is the new oil, and um, somebody said that we should consider just like oil spills mm-hmm. are an enormous issue for the oil industry and they spend vast amounts of clearing up and they do an enormous amount of damage. The same view should be taken of data leaks with you know, the, 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 the ad industry and the data industry taking data leaks as seriously and that they should automatically incur billions of costs, that enormous resource should be made to clear them up, to prevent them. And I think the industry hasn't taken that or hasn't clocked the significance to date and there have been some yeah. fairly monstrous scandals but I think they are now about it I think I think the industry have recognised that actually a data spill is like an oil spill yeah. so you, you think we'll see more and more of this continuing 
people, an enormous amount of work will go into prevention to stop data leaks, to stop yeah. to stop the issue. I think companies that abuse data, I'm going to extend my oil analogy to calling the sort of low-level data abuse to being a bit like pollution. Yeah. It's a bit like having a particularly stinky white van driving around, sort of yeah. belching out <laughs> some sort of antisocial smoke around the community. Yeah. I think the same is true of a company that abuses data. And I think that's the way it'll increasingly be seen as an antisocial and unacceptable thing for a company to be doing. Okay, let's, um, let's keep it punchy. Let's keep moving. Let's move on. Um, so we're going to have Gurdeep, MD of Adapt Worldwide, on the show. On the show? Should we call it a show? On the podcast now. So over to myself and Gurdeep a couple of weeks ago. Welcome, Gadeep. How's it going? Really well, Nick. Um, really appreciate and excited about the opportunity to, to kind of speak to you about who ADAPT are. First things first, who's Gadeep? Good question. I ask myself the same <laughs> thing many a night. Um, so I guess in terms of my current job function, I am the managing director of ADAPT Worldwide. I myself come from a search background. And I guess I support the team in terms of the strategic piece, ensuring that we have enough kind of boots on the ground, and also supporting our sales function. Okay. And Adapt Worldwide, would you describe as the marketing arm of We Localize, who are, um, so you've probably see, seen listeners that um, We Localize acquired Searchstar a couple of months ago. Um, that happened to Adapt as well, and Adapt have been the marketing arm of We Localize, a global translation and localization company ever since. Is that about right? That's correct. So um, we were, we kind of partnered with We Localize when we were a kind of independent agency on a few projects with them, uh -huh. supporting their, specifically their kind of SEO needs for their customers. Yeah. That relationship progressed, um, their customers saw some good results. As a result, kind of conversations progressed and we were acquired about two years ago ultimately kind of adapt position themselves as a multilingual digital marketing agency. Mm -hmm. um, and that is what we kind of support our customers with. That was my next question. Hit me with an adapt worldwide elevator pitch, but you've just done that. <laughs> so that, you know, that's sufficient. I think you've sort of told us what you do at adapt, yep. but could you go into a little more detail maybe? Or Yeah, sure. Um, I, I guess in terms of adapt as we have such a large kind of language focus uh -huh. a key part of my role is to ensure that one we have the kind of talent and access to talent to deliver those language requirements for our customers mm -hmm. and also we have the kind of subject matter experts to really kind of support those channels and those workflows to ensure that when we are kind of running activity across maybe kind of 15 20 languages we have a very kind of consistent output for our customers and we can really stand by the quality of what we produce. Okay, quite a lot of what you deal with, I think people would probably describe as translation, but it's not really translation, is it? It's, there's a sort of, I don't really want to call it a buzzword, but that word is transcreation. Yes, and um, I guess we, we, we definitely kind of champion kind of transcreation. Uh -huh. And I think the key difference is... Historically, uh, brands assumed that they could take English content yeah. and just apply translation to it mm -hmm. and kind of really ensure that they could use that for their marketing efforts. Uh, what brands have not very quickly realized, but, but hopefully are kind of realizing more and more, is that it's all about ensuring that 
the the kind of sentiment of your message is retained mm -hmm. and especially when it comes to digital content it's very acquisition focused yeah those kind of messages drive performance yeah. and i think the key difference between kind of trans creation it's adapting content to ensure that it resonates locally okay. so translation historically takes words and translates them literally in the most accurate way yeah. from a language perspective trans creation really kind of gives people a bit more flexibility to move away from those kind of source words but to really focus on retaining the message mm -hmm. and the sentiment okay one of the things trans creation the, the one of the things i got from it is that trans creation really takes into account sort of the cultural aspects of not the native language but the the language that that those words are being transposed into yes so you've so i know we've just all sat around a table at a meeting um listening to gurdeep talk about the services they provide and there were some rather not offensive to us but like with language you could you know they need those words need to be culturally sensitive because you could say something you know you could convey a meaning you don't really mean to yeah we we, we see lots of potential kind of faux pas with uh -huh. with kind of brands really thinking that they could kind of use literal translations yeah. in kind of local markets and I think ultimately, to your point, not only from a kind of linguistic perspective, we have to really ensure that those messages are adapted in a sensitive way, not to offend mm -hmm. um, anyone or not to kind of lose anyone in yeah. regards to the relevancy. Um, but I think kind of further to that, ensuring that message is adapted and that sentiment is really kind of kept ultimately goes to the heart of what we're trying to achieve as marketers mm -hmm. to really ensure that the, the, the message drives an action. And I think kind of the more relevant that message is, the more mm -hmm. likely it is in terms of driving performance. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, actually, that's about all we've got time for because, you know, people don't want to listen to us wittering on for too long. gets a bit boring after 11 minutes. So um, thanks very much. Thanks for sitting in. I know, I don't know if you're, when are you heading back to London? Um, so I, I think I will be uh, heading uh, back to London at some point today, but I would love your listeners to kind of reach out to yourself if there are mm -hmm. any kind of follow-up questions. Absolutely happy to do any kind of uh, follow-ups in terms of just explaining some of this in a bit more detail. So yeah, really appreciate the, the kind of time today and the opportunity to, to speak to all your lovely listeners. Awesome. Thanks, Goody. Cool. Thanks. Take care, guys. We're back. So, um, sticking with the whole privacy thing, along a very similar vein, uh, I read a, an article yesterday on Adweek about um, how privacy regulations will push brands to target smaller, more dedicated, dedicated groups of consumers. Ultimately, all of this data privacy talk and regulation is going to be is a good thing for consumers, isn't it? Whether it's a it's a good thing on a small scale or, or a large scale. But how, how do you think brands will weather the storm? I mean, ad targeting won't look the same in, in two years that it, as it does now. And what do you think it'll look like? Ad targeting, I mean, I think that's an interesting conclusion that ad targeting will make people go to smaller, more dedicated groups of consumers. Because that's only true if they get... If they get stripped down to only the people who have opted in to receive their advertising, then that is going to be a very tight little group of consumers, mm -hmm. as in effectively yeah. a, a, a bunch of people who've opted to receive remarketing advertising, which would be an audience close to nil. 
I think the more likely scenario is actually the opposite, with, whereas at the moment they can use quite good data to try and identify quite a tight group of people mm -hmm. who are likely to be interested in the product. Yeah. If you assume that the regulations will strip away some of that data, mm -hmm. then inevitably they've got to go slightly broader and slightly more shotgun. You know, if you remove data, then you've got to go, then you've got to go shotgun, you've got to go after a slightly wider pool, and there will be more pushing people through the funnel. I mean it will do because a lot of the advertising that is more effective tends to be sort of mid-funnel trying to get people who you think of, who you're using data signals to say if you're trying to sell an, a, say a, an adventure holiday to Peru to people who you know have done searches for flights to Peru who are single and are 28 and earn a good amount of money and are quite adventurously and independently minded and you pull all that data together yeah. you know they searched for flights to Lima last week and you throw them lots of ads for adventure tours in Peru if you haven't got that piece of data which says last week this person searched for flights to Peru, mm -hmm. then you've just got to go actually at people who are 28 to 35 or whatever age group I said, earn a certain amount of money, are independently minded and open to a bit of adventure, but you've just lost a piece of data, therefore your Venn diagram is just a bit bigger. Okay. Your target pool is a bit bigger that you've got to chase and you've got to go a bit further up the funnel to try and find your people. Then you push them into your website and then you can obviously remarket to death. So I guess what you're saying is there's definitely a bit of push and pull between brands and consumers. In the past, consumers have complained about receiving ads that are completely irrelevant to them. Then you start serving them ads, clever ads that use the data sources available to companies and serve ads that are yeah. relevant to them. I, I, yeah, I, I always find this, this conversation quite funny when people talk to me about targeting advertising and they say oh bloody hell oh yes you show me all those all those remarketing ads and all those ads for the red dresses and it's and I always respond back saying yeah that's because we think you're interested in red dresses yeah you know if, if we don't use that information we'll just show you an ad for a credit card <laughs> you know or you'll see an ad for a mobile phone where basically we're just yeah. sort of gambling that most people are kind of interested in credit cards and mobile phones you're still going to see ads yeah. they're just going to be less relevant we'll just show you less relevant ads that are more lucrative for us to show well, you <laughs> well we'll just show that we'll just yeah it's just they will just inevitably you know surely you know given that the publishers are screaming for money yeah because you know the, the likes of the guardian even though they run incredibly efficient operations struggle to make cash they're not going to not run advertising unless people are going to volunteer for subscriptions a la um netflix um but so the industry is just trying to show people relevant advertising. But then I like advertising, so. Well, I think we'll end there. We've been going a good 20 minutes. We've talked enough about privacy before before we get into waters that we don't know quite enough about and then get yes. us questions. Um, so, yeah, we'll leave you there. This has been Dancast episode... Uh, I've said lots. Nine or ten or more or something. I'm not sure. But that was great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Bye.